0: Hi, everyone. My name is Trish, the Core Behavioral Therapist, and my guest today is Emily Wally. Is that how I say last name? Yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> uh, Emily Wally of California. She's a credential teacher um, and certified teacher, tutor, and educational consultant. Um, and she's been doing this. She's been in the game for six years now um, and recently opened her own business, um, how are you doing, Emily? <laughs>
1: I'm doing so well, Trish. Thank you for having me today.
0: You're welcome. So me and Emily are friends. We met at church, and um, that's how we connected. Um, and Emily is thriving. She has a blog. She she gives great tips on homeschooling. Now, Emily, with everything that's been happening with COVID, um, do you have any tips for parents out there on how to how to situate their kids? Just the nitty gritty or the beginning stages of homeschooling. Do you have any advice you can give absolutely?
1: People yeah. yeah, absolutely. So um, first off, we'll just define a couple different terms that are being thrown around right now as we all go back to school. Um, homeschooling, usually by traditional definition, is um, you know enrolling your student in a program that is usually not. Um, you know associated with you know a a classroom in your typical school district um, you can you know, enroll in private programs, mm-hmm. um, and and usually some families will go and find a program, and then they will affiliate with a public school if they need additional support. Yeah. Um, so it is a, a bit separate, and we also have distance learning, and distance learning is something that is very widespread right now mm-hmm. um, due to COVID, and so distance learning would be um, an education program hosted by schools um, to have the students at their homes um, still being engaged in curriculum and the full, you know, education program, but they're not in the physical classroom. And so absolutely, this is a very important topic right now. Um, School is just a few weeks away. For some families, it's in a couple weeks or a month. And a lot of families are making the decision right now to either continue distance learning, if that's what their school is doing, or perhaps making a pivot and deciding to embrace homeschooling. Right. And so, yeah, and and I'm sure you you know as well with you know everything that you do at your school district, this right. is a really big debate right now for parents.
0: Oh yeah, and um, and some parents aren't sure if they want to homeschool or just do distance learning. Um, and parents who are doing homeschooling, they are asking what's the best curriculum to use, um, and how, and and I I have a tendency to let the parents know this is how you should situate your desk because your learning environment is very important, especially for students. Um, Mm -hmm. Have your pencils ready, have the technology ready, all of that jazz. Um, Do you have any curriculums that you can Mm -hmm. recommend?
1: Yeah, and your your actual actually your your original question was any tips for schooling yeah. at home is right. I, so I put both homeschooling distance learning into a category of just schooling at home. So we're right. at home, we're not in physical school.
0: Right. Um
1: so I'll answer your first question. Sounds good. <laughs> and that is something absolutely I've been discussing with families. It is something that is very top of mind and I would say my initial advice for family schooling at home, whether they are distance learning or starting um, an actual homeschooling program, would be to I have five big things that I always um, recommend. Great, and (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I got them right here for you. So um,
0: I always advocate only because I know families right now the anxiety level is so high. And families yes. are working and teaching their kids all at the same time and, and making sure dinner is on the table and, and the kids are eating and they're fine. So yeah. Absolutely.
1: So, yeah. so I have, I can share 10 things. Okay. If this is helpful to, to families. Right. Um, on my blog, I break it into part one and two, but right off the bat, I always advise families to really embrace this new mindset of education is looking different today. It started to look different all the way back in the spring when COVID first hit us, and we're still figuring out, you know, what are the best ways to learn. So my 10, for my 10 basics of schooling at home, my first point is to embrace a new mindset and that is something that all of us grappled with both families and educators and administrators and children we all had to break away these ideas that school is separate but now school is in my house and now so my desk you know is yeah. like by my bed or it's at my kitchen table and that um, new reality is that first psychological block that right. um, that children and parents experience that, that adds frustration and stress. So I think embracing this new mindset that school is in session, even though we're at home, mm-hmm. is the first step. It's really a paradigm shift in thinking. And I think that can really break down those psychological barriers and Get us into a better mindset to actually begin curriculum and begin implementing um, learning strategies. And so, I always tell families, you know, as as the adult in the home, that's you're yeah. also acting as the facilitator and the teacher and the disciplinarian and wearing all these different hats. Exactly. I always say that. The more the family can embrace this and get excited about it and, you know, practice empathy and try to monitor their stress levels around their children, that is going to be the first um, step toward a successful program That's is, so you know, is always, is always about mindset. So number two
0: mm-hmm.
1: is about consistency and a schedule. So number two is maintain a consistent schedule. I always Um, I found this in the classroom and I always tell families, structure is great. Children and adolescents and even adults, we all structure in, we all thrive in a structured environment. And so when we think about the traditional bell schedule at your, you know, school, I think it's less about maintaining this militant order and more about providing a consistent workflow throughout the day. We know when we're going to learn. We know when we're going to take a break. We know when we're going to eat. We know when we can play. And so having that schedule um, anchors us and gets us ready to tackle each and every task. And it's about blocking and it's about knowing what's coming next and predictability. And so I always say for do's and don'ts um, for families that are schooling at home, you know, mirror a a typical student schedule as much as possible. If they typically have um, school starting at eight, then start at eight. If that's not, you know, a huge imposition on your family, Um, you know, build in that very consistent break or recess or brunch, whatever you want to call it, have their, you know, Um, subjects in order. Um, Just mirror it as much as possible. Of course, you're going to make modifications. Of course, if you have multiple children in the home, you have to accommodate for that as well. But school should start when it's supposed to start. And I think when, you know, families, whether that's, um, the student and, and the parent, when we kind of fall out of that routine and it's more like, we'll just wake up whenever today. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it becomes more and more difficult in terms of that psychological challenge to just stay consistent. Um, so I always say, you know, if you typically have your kid, um, going to bed at a certain time before all of COVID and had them waking up at a certain time, just stick to that. And uh, the whole home should be operating on a schedule as much as possible.
0: So that's great. So those first two tips are just absolutely great. The question, <laughs> <They're> totally essential. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. The question that comes to mind is what happens, because the school I work at, um, I have parents that, that um, run into this. What happens with parents who don't have a nine to five schedule, who have a night shift? You know, mm-hmm. what, how, would you, how would you help them? With this. Problem. Yeah,
1: that's, that's absolutely a tough one because every single home is going to look different. As you said, some parents work in the evenings. And so, you know, it's not a one size fits all model, but I would say that you know, if it's really going to make the parent and, you know, you're the parent, the caregiver, and you're the breadwinner, right? You're also could be the only person in the home um, bringing in income. Then I would say it wouldn't be horrible to have your child's schedule also mirror yours. Now that gets a little bit tricky when you're doing distance learning and you're following the school schedule. So, you know, your child's teachers, teacher or teacher's plural, might have their meetings and all these um, things built into, you know, their day. But especially now for parents that are going to be doing homeschooling, you truly can make your hours whatever you want them to be. And so, um, and I have families that do that. They homeschool and they, sometimes they start really, really early in the morning before the sun comes up, or they start much later, depending on how it works for the family. So I don't have um, any specific advice for parents that are in that particular um, type of situation? But I would just say the whole family has to find a flow, even if that means breaking out of the norm a little bit and adjusting your student's schedule to fit your schedule.
0: I love those last two things you just said. You made valid points. Have have the child schedule mirror the parent and find your flow. I think that's so important with different cultures and, and just different types of family, families, not just nuclear families. So I think you hit the nail on the head with that. So thanks for that. I'm really excited to hear about the rest of your yeah. points, so we're on so number three. Points three
1: and four are about um, physical education, PE, exercise and fitness, and the arts. So my third point is make time for physical education and fitness. We as adults know that this is a lifelong skill. It is so critical to overall health. It affects your mental health, your emotional health, and it's not something that can drop off when schooling at home. I think children have to continue to do one hour of fitness that's appropriate to their age and their skill level, and it can look a lot of different ways. If they have a favorite sport, absolutely do that. If they actually like PE at school, um, follow whatever advice the PE teacher is giving. Sometimes the PE teachers, and I've seen a range, right? I've seen some PE teachers get it down to the minutes and give very specific detailed workouts for the kids to do. And other PE teachers may be less less structured, but even if um, you have a younger child, maybe that's just free play. That's appropriate to their To their age level. Um, And if you need help putting together a program, of course, you can always reach out to um, an expert, you can reach out to your pediatrician, you can. Um, reach out to uh, maybe your own uh, fitness coach if you work with someone. And um, a lot of, you know, apps and a lot of fitness programs are now accommodating family fitness. So if you can do it together, that's, that's great. And also um, mindfulness and yoga and meditation totally fit within that too. So
0: So it's not
1: just cardio, right? It's, and it's not just free play, but I always advocate for students to do mindfulness and meditation because that also is overall health. And I just say, you know, at, at the very, you know, you just don't want your child to, to fall into um, just these sluggish, you know, nine hour blocks of time where they're on video games or their smartphone. It's not that video games or apps on their phone is bad or screen time is bad. It's just more, if I'm going to allow that, just making sure that the exercise doesn't fall off. And then number four, make time for an elective. So mm-hmm. that's more of an upper grade term is an elective <laughs> in um, the lower schools. That's usually just, you know, art or, right. you know, something fun, dance class or something. But Which is also um,
0: therapeutic, just like yeah. the PE. It all goes back to number one, the mindset. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. it, it
1: does. It does help maintain a healthy mindset. So number four is make time for the arts. It absolutely um, is an outlet for your brain to be creative and express itself. And, you know, research also shows that brain fatigue from intense problem solving throughout the day it can be relieved and even overcome by allowing the brain to work on something separate and different and so even if it's drawing even if it's painting it could be dance it could be building it could be legos it could be coding or um, computer software um, you know academies online it could be drama class it could be putting together videos on youtube but allow your child or make space I guess is more intentional make space for your child to do at least an hour of something creative where they're building mastery toward a specific skill and it's allowing them to still problem solve but separate from what they're doing in their other subjects
0: creativity is so important. And I'm telling you, Agreed. teachers are the most creative people on this planet, if you ask me. So, um, yeah, having kids also be creative also stimulates that side of their brain. So, I'm so with you with that. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. And then number five is um, ask for help. So, <laughs> obviously, this is a critical one, but I think, and from what I've observed, I have noticed that families. You know, at times we can withdraw, we can panic, and like, oh my gosh, how am I going to figure out all of this by myself? Right. But again, even even if you um, are distance learning and your child is not going to go back to their campus, you know, anytime soon, there still are support staff. There still, you know, they still have access to their teachers. They still have access to their counselors. Um, If you have students with special needs, this one is really, really important. I'm sure you agree, Trish. You have staff there that can help. Even if it's something like, help, I need, you know, a planner for my kid or help. I need some recommendations on what they can read or, um, you know, you name it. Um, You have, you know, support staff at school that are there to help. If you can take that step and also what falls into this is also looking outside of school. So obviously for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a private tutor. I pivoted away from public school education and now I tutor, um, you know, full time. And what I've noticed is that a lot of families, just to be honest with you, they have reached this point, um, during COVID where it was like. I'm just I'm struggling with yeah. wearing all these different hats having to be the parent and the teacher and the facilitator and the disciplinarian and the administrator mm-hmm. and the receptionist and the cook and the chef <laughs> and the PE coach you know it it becomes a lot and I think it does put strain, you know, on the on the family dynamics and on the family relationships. Absolutely. And so even if it's for a season, a lot of the families that I've been working with, they're like, this is the first time I've ever hired a tutor. But it it is someone a tutor or a consultant. Um, they are people that can share that emotional an academic burden yeah. so that there's another, you know, caring, supportive adult that's checking in on the student, making sure they're reaching their goals. Um, I honestly support the parents as much as I support the students. I'm sure you because do, the family. the families are like, oh my gosh, my student has an IEP or a 504 that, you know, right. they might be a student with special needs. What do I do? How do I do this? And that's what I'm there to discuss with them is, okay, this is what we should ask for. Yeah. And this is how you should frame it. And this is probably the person at your school that can help or here are some other resources outside of school that we can utilize. So asking for help is a big one, but um, it's more about the risk, uh, being able to take the risk for your child, advocate for for you and themselves, and even reach out beyond the school and getting professional help um, from someone like a tutor or education consultant if you really feel like you really are struggling and could use that extra boost.
0: That's so, it's so salient that what you just said, because I do work with students with IEPs as well. And some parents and families don't know um, the resources that are there even at the school and outside the school, like you said, I recommend to parents to ask for their educational specialist or the case manager or the school psychologist but usually the ed the educational specialist is the one who modifies a child's work, especially if a student has an IEP or a 504 plan. So yeah, you're you're right, you're right there with me. I hear you. Um, what about number six, I think? Yeah.
1: Yep. So now we're getting a little bit more to the nitty-gritty. So six through ten is more about your actual day and putting okay. that together. So for number six, you actually mentioned this, Trish. Yeah. Designating a workstation is number six and that one is super important because you really it does help the brain (laughs) when the student can have a um, can have a specific area where they know that when I sit down or stand or be on a bouncy ball or whatever. But when I'm in that station, right. I'm in work mode. And so, you know, it gets really blurry when we have students in their bed and, you know, yeah. then it can, that can actually also mess with their sleep cycle. And, you know, so I always advocate for, even if it's your kitchen table from the hours of, you know, eight to three, have a designated station where when they're there, they're working and you have all the materials close by obviously you'll take as many breaks as needed away from that station and go outside if you can um, for periods of time but it is very important to um, stay organized declutter decluttering uh, cluttered spaces really can add stress and at this nagging sense of disorganization can really consciously or subconsciously discourage work so you might actually have to declutter now that you're in this for the long haul you know we're probably going to be schooling at home for a while
0: so i'm sure there's um, a lot of decluttering (laughs) a lot happening today
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So I like to have in this area all of your educational materials, your supplies, folders, bins, whatever you need within reach. And maybe you might even have to reconfigure some things in different rooms um, and think about things like lighting, um, you know, seating. Think about um, devices or toys that are nearby. Think about things that are also positive. What can you add to the atmosphere? Maybe um, fidgets or plants or new sources of lighting um, okay. that can stimulate them or even like an essential oil diffuser. I wrote about that on the blog. Um, and and I really just discourage, don't have your child work in their bed. It 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 starts messing with their sleep patterns and you really want to separate work from sleep. And that's the same for adults. So it's always like, you know, 30 to 60 minutes before bed. I always say no school work unless they're reading for fun. Um, Definitely not on their smartphones again, unless that's maybe the book that they're reading. Just try to separate work from school and play. Um, And then number seven, just to go right into it is start each day with a plan. Um, So, you know, at my, middle school where I was previously teaching, every single student was given a planner or agenda. And that was both symbolic and practical. You know, you have to have a plan for each day. And this is special, this is still important. Um, even though we've done some months of distance learning. This is going to become even more critical as maybe now you're taking on a homeschooling approach and you are the main facilitator for your child's education. So right. I, as, as you know, even for my students that are very young. I have them always tracking their assignments and deadlines. Now that's not to obsess over it. It's not to create stress about, oh my gosh, I have a test or I have a deadline coming up. It's truly the habit of project management, planning, staying organized, having study skills, I think when done well, it keeps stress at, at a minimum, and so what, uh, so a pr- another practical piece of advice that goes with this is I say, you know, check your messages and in inbox from your teachers or your, um, whatever it might be with homeschooling, right. it could be your consultant. Communication is key,
0: communication mm-hmm. is key.
1: Well, you and, and keep like of- keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, like, don't let it overwhelm your whole, whole day, right? There's no right. reason for students to have to check the communication 10 times a day. Right. They can check it in the morning, get it all out of the way. Honestly, I have some students that spend a full hour in the morning just checking their messages from their teachers, especially if they're doing distance learning, get everything out on the planner, know when your meetings are coming up so you don't miss anything, just have a plan for each day and for each week and each month, Um, and it's just such a lifelong skill for those students, and check them off as they're done, and then celebrate when those things are checked off, whether that's at the end of the day or midday, Um,
0: I love. but I just think that's super important. I love that. I, I do think it's important. I, th- I was thinking about a reward system, too, when you just said that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay.
1: yeah, absolutely, and I have um, advised families on reward systems if that works well for them. I've seen it done really well. I've seen it done kind of haphazardly. It, it's, it's something that the family will decide on in terms of rewards, but um, yeah, absolutely. I just think it's more about get get the communication down, have a specific time that you do it, don't get overwhelmed, don't do it all day long or obsessively, and you will find that that improves the workflow. Um,
0: excellent, excellent.
1: Yeah, and then, so for number eight, I have take intentional breaks as a family, if possible. So just like how in your typical bell schedule, you'll have recess, free time, snack, brunch, or lunch built in, Yeah, we want to still do that at home. We have to rest and recharge in order to stay productive. But when it's consistent and the students know that it's coming at a certain time, it does allow for them to concentrate for longer and longer amounts of time at home. So, you know, a lot of families in the beginning were like, I can't get my child to sit down and do math for five minutes. And it's like, Okay, well, why don't we start with five minutes of math, and you know maybe have them work up to fifteen minutes, um, and then they earn their break. But usually, how I advise is, you know, have math as the block from whatever it is eight to eight thirty, with a ten minute break after that. So you know what, we're going to try our best. We're going to do whatever we can in math until eight thirty, and the st- the student knows the time; they're used to checking the clock, right. and then at eight thirty, they know and can expect that they're going to get a break. And so, I do think it kind of declutters the mind. I think it's less about you know staring at the clock and oh my right. gosh, I can't wait for it to be over. It's like no, this is flexible now. You can choose your own schedule and how frequent the breaks are, but just keep them consistent. Right. And I like to see families um, taking breaks at the same time.
0: I love that. I love that because it brings the families together too if anything is happening with COVID, it is bringing some families together. And I love that, Emily, that you said, families take breaks together. That's really, that's beautiful.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've just seen it over and over again that community is really built during work and also during play and rest. And and it's built during mealtime. And so it's not something that you wanna skip. If you're all at home, again, this is gonna be different for maybe families that are um, you know, single parent household or working okay. different shifts. But if you really are all at home, As much as possible have the parent take the break with the with everyone together the younger child the older child put the devices away sit at the table or go sit outside if possible or go for a walk Um, keep it consistent do it all together and you're gonna find that everyone's gonna look forward to those breaks and it's gonna be welcome from everyone and the focus should really be on connecting with each other and talking about stuff outside of school even if it's we're all gonna eat you know a piece of fruit and water Around the block for 10 minutes.
0: Love it, love it. What are the next steps? Thank you. So,
1: yep, I got number nine create goals and expectations. So, you know, my reasoning here is that children really need to know what is clearly expected of them in order for them to perform and achieve, and without goals and expectations expectations, your child will flounder, most likely, and feel lost because they won't know what they're supposed to do and how to behave and what do I do now that school is at home and home is at school. This is totally new and crazy. And, you know, I have found that if, especially if parents have experienced difficulty in getting their child to work or perform at home, it's quite likely once I advise with them and and consult with them that those goals and expectations have not yet been clearly defined by the teacher, which is you. Right. <laughs> and so um, you know, I I talk actually a lot a bit about this on my blog. It's even a separate, um it's a separate post, but um I I just, I think this can't be stressed enough. I really think that, you know, as you're starting the new school year, especially if you're going to do a homeschooling model, sit down with your child and create a list of goals. And here are some um, categories for those taking notes. Academic, behavior, and personal. And you will do this actually for each of your children because they're all unique. They have different needs. And it can take, you know, from as little as five minutes to 30 minutes. And, you know, when I was working at my middle school, our students would write out their goals in the first week of school and we would review them at selected times throughout the year. And so there's, you know, a a great time to do it is in the beginning of the year, but it's also never too late. You can always say, okay, you know what? We're resetting this week. Let's look at our goals, maybe add something new. And these will be obviously very particular to distance learning and homeschooling. So, you know, maybe, um, so would you like to see some examples? So for academic goals, you know, you can do letter grades. That's pretty standard, right, A or B, but some of our classes now are pass-fail. So maybe you have goals that are more like, you know, no more than two missing or incompletes, or I'm going to check and read all messages from my teachers, or I'm going to spend at least 15 minutes on each of my subjects. This is, again, for people who are beginners, right? You'd you'd eventually work towards 60 minutes per subject. Um, So like academic goals can look a lot of different ways. Behavior goals, maybe it's something like, you know, return to my task with only one warning from the teacher and this you know I'm would be the usually <laughs> your this is your parent now right, um right. and you know in a traditional setting sometimes my students write you know no detentions but maybe for homeschooling you might say no timeouts maybe you had to give a lot of timeouts in the spring and now it's like okay we're not going to do more than one timeout a week or a phone no more than one phone suspension a week or it could be positive you could say i'm going to give um one compliment To eat to a family member a day. Um, And and this would translate in the classroom, give someone in my class an appreciation once a day, something like that. And then for personal goals, this is, again, very important as we're all schooling at home. Right. It can be social or it can be health fitness related or related to the arts. It could be something like I'm going to help my younger sibling with their work for at least 15 minutes each day. Or I'm going to run a 10-minute mile by the end of the year. Or I'm going to learn a new instrument or a new language by the end of the year. Um, I do not think you should put off setting goals because you think it's too late or you don't know how to do it. Um, There are a lot of resources on setting goals and expectations I firmly believe, you know, each day is a new day to reset and improve. That's a personal motto of mine. Yeah. And so, you know, Can you keep say that motto setting that. each day is a new opportunity to reset and improve.
0: Love that. I'm writing that
1: down. <laughs> and so I, I just see it as, you know what, this is a chance for us to experiment and improve our program because who knows what the later end of the year will look like. We could be continuing this for a full school year. So I say set goals and expectations as often as you need to, change them, update them, start small and simple, and then make them, you know, more and more um, rigorous or detailed. Um, or unique as the year goes on, and you get better at doing that, and then um, don't forget to also create goals and expectations for your family um, or your school, because you know a student 's individual goals are going to be right. different from the expectations of now you're schooling at home. So, you know, this one you would do with your entire family. You'd create a list of expectations on how everyone should behave. Um, and I always give the rule of, you know, try not to make it a list of no's. Um, you know, you, for every no, try to have a yes. You know, yes to this, no to this. Or just focus on the positives of what you would like to see. Um, respect, honesty, kindness, empathy. You can define find those things as a family. Um, and yeah, and anyway, I go into this more on my blog, but yeah. you know, it could be helpful to have something like, you know, a behavior policy or an expectation policy at home, like we're gonna be kind to each other, we're gonna keep a positive attitude, we're gonna be helpful to each other, we're going to, you know, be kind with our words, even when we have a conflict. So it's just keeping in mind that just like when you're in the classroom and the teacher is setting those rules and, and guidelines and expectations, you, you do have to do the same thing for your child if you're the one at home with them.
0: Yeah, where, where I work, we do a charter and there are expectations listed and we place them on the wall laminated. And I, I totally agree with you um, parents can do that. Um, to set the stage and the standard of what the, the, the tone is, uh, for the child's education process. So educational process. So that's absolutely what you said. And.
1: Yeah, and also, you know, I think the, the the best benefit of setting goals and expectations is that reward. Yeah. So especially if it's very clear what you want your student to do, then you can actually easily celebrate when they've checked things off or when they've completed it for, the, for that day or that week or even that hour, and you're going to see both of you as the parent slash teacher and your child slash student grow in confidence that we can do this together. We can actually make a path to move forward together.
0: I love that growing confidence and what better person to help, help the student be confident than the parent. I mean, that's great. And you also touched on something as well. Don't have a lot of no's. I, I think that's great. You, you can substitute those no's with something else. So if this lacks, then this can happen, you know, and, and I think children like to hear the reasoning behind, well, why can't I do that? Um, it sort of sets the, sets the stage. So I love that. Um, number 10.
1: Mm-hmm. Number 10 is um, my number one value in education is empathy. So my last piece of advice to families is just practice empathy during those tense moments and, you wow. know, uh, embrace empathy, practice empathy, develop and cultivate empathy. I think it's The number one thing that our world needs. I think it's the number one ingredient that we need in the classroom and at home. And again, this is recognizing that transitioning to schooling at home. This is taking a new incredible amount of patience for both you and your child, you are going to become frustrated with each other and I'm sure you already have in the spring. you know, this is so critical to the short-term and long-term success of your program, that you have empathy with your student, you have mutual understanding, and I have seen and observed that when a child demonstrates resistance or unwillingness to move forward, there's something that's lying under the surface, and empathy is that gateway, it's that path for the adult or the caregiver or the teacher to find out what's going on, and so, you know, just what this looks like practically, Um, if you are having, you know, a conflict or a tense moment with your child, it can be about a homework assignment or something else, I always say stop and ask yourself, um, and then ask your child using appropriate words, what's really going on here? You know, if they're having a tantrum, if they're having a display of extreme disengagement, I think the approach is really get on their level, even adjust your height. If it's small children, make eye contact, be present in the moment, you know, tune everything out, um, for just that moment, show them your unrushed dedication to helping them through that moment and work is put on hold until there's a solution.
0: Love it. I love it. Um, (laughs) so can I do the rundown real quick? The top 10? Yeah. Your Your 10. Um, Your 10 pieces of advice, these golden nuggets, your wealth of information, by the way. (laughs) So (laughs) number one is the growth, the mindset, create a new mindset. Two, consistency and scheduling. Three, PE. Four, an elective or the arts. Um, Five, ask for help. Six, uh, six through 10, it's basically, number six is your workstation, um, such as materials and whatnot. Seven is having toys and fidgets nearby. Am I correct with that?
1: Number seven um, is start each day with a plan. So that was more about planning and setting up, uh,
0: yeah, structure. Right. And I love that. And eight is take breaks, as many breaks family-wise, like the whole family takes a break. Um nine create goals and you can update these goals um as far as academic goals behavior goals and expectations and personal goals such as you know i what stood out to me was running a mile in 10 minutes i i love that um and number 10 was my favorite too empathy (laughs) i think empathy is needed it's so needed during this time um for each other for the teachers for the students the children and for the parents I think it's so important and vital um if anyone wants to get in touch with you Emily because you are obviously very savvy with this stuff homeschooling and and very educated if someone wants to get in touch with you or let's say hire you um how can they get in touch with you
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, so they can contact me at my website www.emilygracetutoring.com. My Instagram is the same name, Emily Grace Tutoring. For Instagram and yeah right now I'm doing free consultations for families before you know I ever um, agree we ever agree to move forward with a program and put something custom together I always offer free advice on maybe there are simple things that can be improved or what really are they looking for what are the needs and goals um, And so I always consult for free and even outside of tutoring when the family needs help and the parents specifically need support, um, that consultation is just part of the the fee that that they pay me for tutoring. Um, But yeah, I welcome any and all questions. I have a ton of resources on my blog. So that's at my website. And I wish everyone the best of luck for the upcoming school year. And I think with empathy, we can absolutely move forward and we can make it a successful wonderful year.
0: Thank you so much, Emily. And your blog is on your website, right? Yes. Awesome. Correct. (laughs) Thank you so much, Emily. You are amazing. Emily. Thank you for having (laughs) me. (laughs) Thanks for being here. It was so nice talking to you. Bye everyone. Thank you. Good luck. you. You too.